0: living Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Of water wash All right, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. In verses 12 to 18 today. And um, we're going through the book of Philippians. And it is uh, a series called Joy for the Journey. So I was thinking about batteries. Um, and I was like, you know, batteries are a big part of our lives. I mean, they're everywhere if you think about it. My phone, um, my computer, my weed eater... Uh, my, my microphone, my Bluetooth speaker, my meat thermometer—I mean, all of these things have batteries. They are—they are everywhere. And when, when we were out uh, handing out those VBS flyers and door hangers, um, there was a lady out mowing her grass, and her lawnmower was like. So quiet, and I said, hey, you're, you're, "That's the quietest lawnmower I've ever heard." And she goes, "Well, it's battery powered. I, I can't get my yard done with one charge." <laughs> so, it, you know, they're they're coming along. They're coming along. So, that's pretty exciting. And, and of course, our cars, you know, they have they have batteries. And it's not the season for us to be jump starting our cars. But sometimes the cold zaps the battery, or we leave the lights on, and it drains the battery, and we've got to then connect up our car to some external power source so that we can get an amp, a crank, and turn that engine over. Well, it's really no different um, for our, our hearts. You know, we're looking for this joy, this inward joy to bubble up from from the inside of us. Um, but for one reason or another, our battery is drained. Now, remember at the very beginning of our series, we talked about joy suckers. You know, remember that? Um, there, there were uh, people and there was uh, circumstances, and there was stuff, and sin. You know, all those things, you know, are these things that can zap our hearts. They can uh, drain our battery and keep us from knowing that joy. And so I wondered, you know, as you're coming in today, um, are you feeling drained? You know, is your, is your battery feeling kind of low? Um, I, I know if you served at VBS, you might be feeling a little bit, a little bit of, of that drain, but does a situation, some circumstances, have you down? You know, something that you is out of your control, you can't fix. Um, is, there a, is there a difficult person making life difficult right now? Um, is is there stuff that you're trying to maintain and it's just overwhelming you right now? Uh, or sin, as sin crept in and, and caused caused its its damage? Well, you know, you what you need is you need a jump start. You need a jump start. You need a, you know, you, you got the key in the ignition, but you're turning it and the joy engine is not turning over. Well, I've got something for you this morning that's going to help. So in honor of Father's Day and uh, to jump start this message, it's called Jump Starting Your Joy. Our kids from VBS are going to come up and they're going to teach you a song. Pretty good jump start. But I got more for you. More for you. Paul's got some words in here from, uh, in verses 12 to 18 that are kind of get-down-to-business kind of words. And so we're going to read these and see how they will help us jumpstart our joy. So chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. With me. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good word uh, to us today as we uh, continue to make our way through this great book of Philippians, Lord. What a blessing it is in our lives as it just continues to teach our hearts, continues to point us to Jesus and how to follow him. and and how to find joy and how to rejoice and what we should be rejoicing over. So Lord, I just pray your blessing on this time. I pray our hearts would be good soil for the Word of God today that it would bear fruit in us. Pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so in verses twelve to thirteen we get the first jump start for joy, start growing in the Lord. So Paul says, just as you have been following my instructions when I was with you, keep doing that now, especially now, since I'm not with you. And so what does he tell them to do? He says to work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Now, in other words, that's grow in the Lord. Uh, so th- those instructions there, they kind of impl- they have an implication. They imply something. Uh, Paul did not say, work for your salvation. That would have implied that they did not have it. And so when he says work out your salvation, that's implying that they do have it. They have received salvation. So what's he talking about? Salvation means someone has been saved from their sins and to God by trusting in what Jesus Christ has done and who he is and what he's done on the cross to give us life. That's, That's salvation. In in a nutshell. In first first John four, fourteen, that was a, a memory verse that we had this this past week. It says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Those words be your words. Could they be yours? Could you speak those to somebody say, You know what? I've got personal experience here. I can tell you true that God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world because He saved me from my sin and myself. Could those be your words? On June 3rd, this is past June June 3rd, I celebrated my 25th spiritual birthday. So, you know, I, I... I, uh, I had spent many Sundays of my life in, in church, and I knew a lot of, of what you needed to know to be saved. But up to that point on June 3rd, 1994, I could not say what John said there. They could not be my words See, I I knew about the Gospel. I knew Jesus was the Son of God. I knew He came and He lived the perfect life. I knew that He died a criminal's death on a cross for the forgiveness of my sins and that three days He was buried and three days later He rose from the grave and He did all that for me. I knew all that. I agreed with that. I even said, yes, Jesus, You are for me. But even though I knew all that and agreed with that, I did not know Jesus. I did not know Him. So on June 3rd, 1994... I put my life in His hands. I went to some big meeting of men downtown in a place called the Hoosier Dome, which is no longer there. And, and, uh, and I walked down to the front, not thinking I was getting saved. But what I did do was I put my life in Jesus' hands. I said, take it all. I'm, I'm going to trust you with my life. So I, I trusted Him to be the Lord of my life. And guess what? When I trusted Him to be the Lord of my life, He became the Savior of my life. I was born again. And then those words became my words. And then I started working out this salvation. Could John's words be your words this morning? Do you have a personal experience with Jesus where you can testify that God sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world because He saved me? He freed me from my sin. He forget. He forgave me. He filled me with the Spirit. He changed my heart. He changed my life. And now I, I've been following Him. Not perfectly, by any stretch of the imagination, but everything changed after that. Do you have that kind of personal testimony? See, if you do, you know you do. And if you don't, you don't have salvation. You see, it doesn't matter what you prayed in the past. In the past, what you knew, it matters. Did God answer that prayer? It doesn't matter what you what you knew about Jesus and, and what He did. It matters if you know Jesus personally. If you've been born again. So if you're drained today, if you need a jump start for your joy, and I'm describing you in any way here, this is where you need to start. This is the jump start that you need to give your life to Jesus. To trust Him, that He's Lord and He's good. So do not leave today without admitting that, you know what, I'm messing things up. Where I've led my life hasn't worked. It's caused a a, a damage. And, And admit, I can't be good enough for God. I can't be good enough to get there. You admit these things about yourself. And then you realize, you know what, in spite of that, me being honest with God... He still loves me. In spite of all this stuff that I've done and it's offended Him and it's messed up my life, His love is still there. He is still faithful. And that's proven by the cross. God sent His Son so that you could live in Him. That you would not perish if you believe in Him. There's not an asterisk that says, this is good for everybody but Greg. <laughs> it's good for you in spite of who we are. That's amazing. So Jesus is worthy to believe in. He's worthy to believe in. I promise you, He will never let you down. He will never kick you out. He will never give up up on you and He will never leave you no matter what you do. So admit. Admit. I know a lot about Him, but I really don't know Him. And trust Him. Trust Him with your life. Ask him to start leading you. I, I, I mean, you do this. I promise you, it will jumpstart your joy. You'll leave a new person today. Now, if you've got salvation, there's work to do. Following Paul's instructions here, to, to live it out, to grow in the Lord. Second Peter three eighteen says, "But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." That's our goal as believers. You know, it's our lifelong pursuit to grow in the Lord. But sometimes we get distracted from that. Sometimes we get off track. We start pursuing other things, and this growth thing kind of gets put on the back burner. And then along come the joy stealers, and you know, then we're in need of this jump start and, and, uh, uh, to get our, our engine going again. So work out your salvation. Paul says to work it out with fear and trembling. So that means that we're going to be serious about this growth thing. I mean, it's always going to be on the top of our our to-do list. Our salvation was given to us as a gift. And so, out of the reverence we have for God, and as an act of worship to Him, it compels us. It compels us to work out the salvation. Then verse 13, begins with something very important. For it is God who works in you. So, actually, even though we're the ones that are commanded to grow... We aren't the ones that actually do the, you know, the growing. We we can't make the growth happen. We just cooperate with God in what He does in our hearts. Uh, this this past Mother's Day, um, I built some garden boxes for Lori. That's what I I gave her for Mother's Day, and we we got those things done, and and she just got out there and and took some seeds and put them in the dirt, and, and so that happened, and so I. You know, the day that she did that, I I went out there and, you know, I looked at it a few hours later and there wasn't anything there but dirt. So I, I went out there the next day and, you know, looked at it and still nothing but dirt. Went out the next day and same thing, still nothing. So I quit looking. And miraculously, all of a sudden, some plants started popping through the dirt You know, all we did was provide the environment and the encouragement for growth. When Lori took the seeds and put them in the dirt and gave them a little water, that's what we did. I mean, those seeds—they sat on the kitchen counter for at least two weeks in the packages, and for two weeks they were just like they were when they, you know, when they they got there. They didn't change at all. They didn't transform in the package. But once they got in the right environment with the right encouragement, they they started to grow. And that's kind of how it is with our spiritual growth. So to jump start your joy, start growing by getting in the dirt. You're not gonna hear that at any other church, I'm telling you. no no other church is preaching get in the dirt. They're saying get out of the dirt. I'm telling you, get in the dirt. Go plant yourself in the right environment, give yourself the right encouragement for God to do in you what only He can do. Now, so at Living Streams, you know, what, what do we do? How do we teach you to, to get in the dirt? Well, we, we, uh, we say, hey, get in the Word. Get in the Word. Read your Bible. Study it. Meditate. Memorize it. Take, carry it with you always. Be a, a person of God's Word. It's how you hear His voice. It's a spiritual book. We read it spiritually. And then pray. Talk to Him. Talk to Him in the privacy of your prayer closet. Now have a prayer journal. And then take Him with you all day long. Wherever you go, you're constantly talking to God about everything that's going on in your life. So, Bible, prayer, mercy. You know, be somebody who is a conduit of mercy. So when you see somebody stuck at the side of the road, you are the one who stops to help them out, showing them some mercy. And then there are all kinds of examples of how you can do that. When you see a need, go meet the need. And then when, you, when there's forgiveness to, to, to provide, show mercy. No matter what's going on, get there, show mercy, be a conduit of mercy. Pursue holiness, that's another way to get in the dirt and to pour the water on. Pursue holiness, a change of your heart. Now, Obviously, you can't get in there and change your heart, but we, again, there's a bunch of spiritual disciplines. Bible prayer, mercy, all those things are part of it. But solitude, silence, fasting, worship, community, um, giving, serving, all of those things, God works in you. To change you, change your heart to become more like Jesus. When you become more like Jesus, you're you're going to be more holy. And then you bring along the Holy Spirit. He's part of this too. He's the water. He waters your soul. And He gives you gifts. He gives you gifts to use to edify the church. And He bears fruit through you. That you get to enjoy and people get to enjoy. And all of that, you wrap all of that up. And then you become this person who is... Jesus' hands and feet out in the world. You're going out and you're showing people what He looks like. You're shining your light. All of that right here, those, all those things are getting in the dirt and giving yourself some water. Now, if you haven't been in the dirt in a while, you know what you need to do. Just jump in. I mean, just say, hey, yeah, today's a good, good time as any. Just go home today, find some time. Uh, to get alone with your bible and just read this passage read anything and just sit there and listen take some time and stop and listen what a friend we have in jesus you know how do, we often forfeit you know that time don't we stuff gets in the way you need know, to restart there jump in right there when you, when you go to bed tonight um, get a piece of paper and a pen and write out a a letter to God and just thank Him. Thank Him for the blessings of your life. And then tell Him what you're struggling with. Tell Him that you're tired. Tell Him that you're worried, that you're fearful. Whatever it is, just tell Him. Just lay it at His feet and spend some time there, you know. And that's how you get in the dirt. Just jump back in. God will meet you there and you'll start growing. You know, once we got the seeds in the ground, we had joy. We had the joy of anticipation. You know, we did what was necessary for growth to happen, and fruit was on the way. It's the same for your spiritual growth. Now, the last part of verse 13, it says, It is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for His good pleasure. For His good pleasure. So there we get some insight of what what happens when you're in the dirt. What happens when he starts growth you know happening in your life? The first thing is we align ourselves with God's will. So, you know, when you and God are in sync, when your will is 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 his will, you know what you got? You got some peace. Instead of struggling and strife with him, you're you got peace. You know what that brings? Joy. And then the next thing that happens is you start trusting in God's power to work in you. Instead of you trying to sweat in, in this effort to be a better person, you're trusting him to work in you to make you a better person. And when you have that you get rest and when you have rest, you know what that brings? It brings joy. And then this last part you when you're in the ground, when you're growing, you are making God happy. I mean it's for his good pleasure. And it's, it works the same. Like, you know, when you bring your earthly father happiness, when you, put, or, or deep, when you do something to bring him joy, doesn't that bring you joy? I mean, whether you've got a good dad or a bad dad, whether you're old or young, you make your dad smile and that brings joy. Same with your heavenly father, except it goes a bit deeper than that. When you're walking in his will, when he's working in you, he is rejoicing over your life and that brings a lot of joy. So this spiritual growth thing, you know, you've got you to gotta start, you've got to jump back in, but you also got to realize it's a very slow thing. And so if you think about it being in the kitchen, you know, spiritual growth happens in the crock pot, not in the microwave, okay? It, it, it can, you know, you'll have microwave moments, but most of this is slow cooking. You know, all day, all day long, you're just cooking there. So you've got to be patient with yourself and be kind to yourself. Okay? And trust what God is doing. You know, on those packages when they were sitting on the counter, I saw that it said, you have about 57 days until harvest. So we knew that fruit was on the way. Because we got them in the dirt. We gave, we gave them water. We saw some growth. Same for you. Get in the dirt. Apply the water. Wait. Fruit is on the way. And that will jump start some joy. Alright, verses 14 to 16. Paul writes this really complex sentence. I'm like, man, do you know what a period is, dude? (laughs) Not in these verses. He he doesn't. (laughs) So, he writes this, and it's packed with encouragement that leads to joy. And so, this is part of the working out of your salvation that, that he talks about in verse 12. And so, in a nutshell, to jumpstart your joy, you want to start glowing for the Lord. Now, glowing is all about letting your light shine in the darkness. Jesus told us about that. Remember, he said, let your light shine in the darkness so that people would see your good deeds and then praise your Father who is in heaven. So what he did there was he gave us an example of how to shine our light. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's giving us an example of glowing. Glowing for the Lord. And here, it's about the difference in our life. It's about the differences. The difference between light and dark. The difference between straight and crooked. Uh, between faithfulness and inconsistency. He brings all those things up in in this sentence. So when we glow, we're reflecting our Heavenly Father to the world. And, and that's about His reputation more than it is about our reputation. And so Paul gets to an example there in verse 14. And it's not hard to understand, but it can be pretty hard to practice. Do everything without complaining. Do everything without arguing. So in the positive sense, he's saying practice contentment. Practice contentment. Do you know any complainers? <laughs> Complaining people are just never satisfied. They're, they're just never satisfied with what's going on around them. If something good is happening, you know, they're like, it's just not quite good enough. You know, you you get a stake. For Father's Day, and it's like ah, it's just a little too well done. You know that you you know it. Complaining. Nobody likes complainers. It is it is why you can buy one of these for Father's Day for your dad. It's always got a one on it. I don't understand that. It's complaining. Do everything without complaining. And then he mentions arguing. Do everything without arguing. So argumentative people, they're, they're, they're the ones that always know best. And, they, and, they all, and their way is the only right way to do it. And so when they're not given the orders, they're questioning them. And when they're not questioning them out loud, they're thinking it in their minds. You know, over and over. There's a better way to do this. So not trusting their leader. So both of these practices, um, they, they just make people run from you. I mean, people just scatter. And, and they definitely don't. Cultivate joy in your life, and they don 't represent um, god and Paulus he just gives us no room you know for this in our life, uh, and just like last week, you know do nothing for, for, from selfish ambition or or from pride. do nothing here it 's do everything without complaining, do everything without arguing, no room for this kind of behavior and so if we 're going to do that we've got to have contentment in our lives. And to get there, we got to practice it. So, because contentment is this state of satisfaction, it's it's this constant decision uh, to accept the weather or or uh, the food or the traffic or the job or or whatever it is, accept that it's coming from God or being allowed by God, and because of that, I'm going to be happy with it because He's sending it. So it's a decision there. And, and with, the, with the arguing, um, contentment is, is about letting another have their way, or their own opinion, or you know, um, you know, just trusting that they, they're going to lead, and then, and then trusting God to handle those consequences. So contentment is a bunch of little decisions that we make along the way to be happy and satisfied in God. And when we're happy and satisfied in God, we don't need other people to make us so. And that's a powerful thing. It's a little bit like your carbon footprint. All right, You know what the carbon footprint is, right? That's, that's the demand that you place on the environment because of where you live and how you live. If you're curious about what your carbon footprint is, like I was, I went to carbonfootprint.com and I, I calculated what my carbon footprint is, which is about 42.21 metric tons of CO2 emissions every year, which is more than double the average American, so I know, don't judge me on that. It's big. You can go about following their instructions on how to reduce your carbon footprint, which I didn't... Um, But um, just think of content like this. Okay, You not only have a carbon footprint, but you also have a relational footprint. And that is the the demand that you are placing on the relationship around you to make you happy and comfortable. That demand. And so just like you can do stuff to reduce your carbon footprint, Footprint, contentment will reduce your relational footprint. So the more you can be satisfied and happy in God, the less you need other people to do that for you, and the less you need other people to do that for you, the more you're going to glow for the Lord in the world. See, God doesn't need anything from us. He didn't create us uh, because He needed us. He created us because He wanted us. And so when we find our contentment and happiness... In Him, that frees us up to love other people, to help them out with no strings attached. We're not expecting anything back from them. So when we're, we're living contented in Him, the witness is, my God, our God, He's sufficient for me. So I, I'll take the weather, I'll take what He's given. He's sufficient for me. And there's, that's the root of, of contentment. And actually, when you do practice contentment, it'll help you start growing. It'll help you grow. Now Paul, he ends this sentence here with this mention of the word of life and, and living faithful you know, to, to it all of our lives. He, said, hold, he says, hold fast to the word of life so when Jesus comes I'll be proud of you and it will show that my work among you was not useless. So the longer that we live with a strong good grip on our Bible, the greater the difference will be between us and the world, the more we will glow for the Lord in the world. 30 years ago, 38% of Americans said that the Bible was God's word and it should be taken as such word for word. Today, it's down to 28%. So the longer we go, the longer we go faithful to the word, holding fast to the word of life, the, the greater difference there is going to be between us and the people around us. Now, to the people around us, it's not going to look like light in the dark to them uh, as we stay faithful to God's Word. I mean, when when people are out there and they're just thinking this is just an old book with uh, weird stories in it or outdated information, uh, but we're standing on it as the Word of God, as, that it has authority in our lives and, and that we need to follow it because He's God, He gave it to us and this is how He wants us to live. And when we do that, we're going to glow in the dark because when, he, when he's looking down on us, that's what he's going to see. He's going to see it like we're the stars in the night sky if we're faithful to this book. So Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. A, a key to contentment. You know where that's found? It's found in the word of life. It, it's, in this, it, it's in this book. And then there's other things in here too about contentment. First Timothy 6.6 6, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment the word of life. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. There's where we find it. Find it in Him. and it's in, it's in the word. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Our lives are about well, the unseen. Not what we, can, what we can see. So all these, all these are words of life given to us by King David and Jesus and Paul. You know, different people. And they're pointing us down this path. This, this path of life. And if we'll keep a strong grip on, on the word, we'll experience that life. And if we do it all the way until we see Jesus here or there, it'll bring joy. And Paul, he completes that thought. He says, if you do these things, you'll make me proud and my work among you won't have been wasted. And so saying that, he's making it clear what the purpose of the Philippians' lives are. To glow for the Lord. That's that's their purpose. If they failed to persevere in their purpose, Paul would have been disappointed with them and he would have counted his efforts to disciple them as, as wasted. But if they fulfilled that purpose, to glow for the Lord, to be stars in the night sky, that's going to fill him with pride and he's going to count his Efforts that they paid off. You know, it's just like the dad in the backyard. Hours and hours of batting practice with the son. You know, and then he goes to the game and the, and the son gets a hit. Even if it's just a single. You know what that dad is doing when he lays his head down on his pillow that night? He's feeling pride over that son. And he's saying, man, those hours paid off in the backyard. Same thing. How does it pay off for us? It pays off with joy. We experience Joy. So the last two verses, 17 and 18. Paul, he's pointing us to the last jump start. To start giving to the Lord. So remember, Paul's life is hanging in the balance here. He's waiting to, uh, for a trial with Caesar, whether he's going to live or die. So he's, um, he's waiting on that. So he's comparing his life to a drink offering that the Old Testament priests, where they would take a cup of wine... At the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. And they would pour it over an animal that was getting ready to be burned on the altar. And so the wine was to give a more pleasing aroma to the Lord. It It was an enhancement. It wasn't the main thing. The main thing was the animal. The wine was the enhancement. So the Philippians' faithful lives lived for the Lord. That's the main thing. In Paul's life, possibly being poured out as this drink offering, it's just an enhancement. And he's saying these things because they're suffering just like he is. They're they're being faithful to God, and so they're experiencing the same kind of suffering. And so at the end there, he's like, look, I'm going to rejoice even if I die so that you could live. And so you should rejoice too. So if you want to jumpstart your joy, you want to pour your life out for him so that somebody else could know God and follow him. It's a way to, to jumpstart your joy. It's your spiritual act of worship. Now that can sound a little confusing because you know if your joy engine won't turn over this morning and your battery is drained, is there anything left to pour out? Well, that's where you got to connect the pouring to the purpose to get to the power to produce joy. I can't believe I was able to do that. <laughs> here, 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 here's what I mean. So, so VBS, it was really, it was really a great week. I mean, we had 33 kids the first night. And I think we sort of averaged in the mid-20s, upper-20s throughout the week. And so when we started on day one, Sunday Sunday last week, there was lots of energy. There was lots of excitement. And I would say that even spilled over to day two. Lots of energy, lots of excitement. But by the time we got to day three, I think we started feeling what I call the VBS burn. You know? Um, So we were were beginning to feel that pouring out of our lives, okay, our sacrifice to be here and and to serve. Well, on day four, that's the night we shared the gospel with the kids. And so it was an exciting night. And I'll tell you, some of those kids, they heard the gospel and they asked Jesus to be their Savior. Now, here's the thing about sharing... The gospel with kids. I mean, we, we, we realize that when a kid understands that when they do bad things, that it doesn't just get them in trouble with their parents, it also gets them in trouble with God. When they understand that Jesus is the way to fix things with God, it's about every kid's going to say yes. and say yes to Jesus. They're going to respond to that. They're, they have this innocence about them. It's they have an easy time saying, Jesus, be my superhero. Now, we understand that. But the thing is, we believe that as we share the gospel with kids, we're planting seeds in their hearts. And those seeds, we believe, are going to grow over time, and one day they're going to bear the fruit of salvation. And so, if we just start there, we had 25 to 30 kids hear the gospel and respond to it in some way. So, VBS worker, when you hear that, doesn't that give you just a little twinge of joy deep down inside for all that you you did last week? And then, you know, no doubt, some of those kids, they prayed a prayer with Pastor Shane or Jennifer upstairs, and they got saved. No doubt. And so I'll tell you, that could not have happened without you showing up each night. Without you... Corralling the kids, checking them in, loving on them, playing with them, teaching them how to worship, teaching them about Jesus, uh, t- sharing with them a great gospel story through drama, pouring yourself out as a drink offering so that they might live in Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here, and that's why we ought to follow his instructions there at the end. We should rejoice. Rejoice. And so I want to show you uh, the VBS wrap-up video that Justin Dickey put together for us. Um, And, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you, VBSers, for pouring yourselves out last week. Some kids were added to the kingdom. Some kids got the gospel planted in their hearts and believe it's going to bear fruit in their lives. So take a take a look at this. I think it's going to bring you some joy. Thank you all for praying because you know that it just went as smooth as it could go. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got lost. You know, so all that stuff. You know, it could happen. Uh, so. We're gonna, we're looking forward to it, you know, to doing it again next year. So we'll be putting prayer, praying over it again, you know, we're praying for more, more hope. We've got hope that we'll have more kids, more salvations, more workers, um, you know, all, all of those things. But listen here, you, you don't have to wait till next year to, for VBS to give yourself away, to give yourself to the Lord. You can do it today. How do you do that, I don't know. But I know the one who does. And so I want to send you out with a prayer, just, you know, that you'll go out, today and say, Lord, you know this is my heart, this is the condition of my heart, I'm tired today, I'm weary, I'm energetic, I'm full of joy, whatever it is, show me how to pour myself out for you today. And if you'll, if you'll follow what he shows you, um, there'll be joy there. You'll, you'll have that fruit of the Holy Spirit joy kind of bubbling up in your heart. So start growing, start glowing, start giving, and do the next thing you know that the Lord is leading you to do. And you'll be glad you did. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to just pause for a moment and, and thank you for that last week of ministry. The people that we got to talk to, the kids that we got to um, touch and, and teach about Jesus, um, Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending them. I thank you for the carrying us through the week for the reminders we got of, you know, that the work we're doing, His kingdom work, and, and, and only You can do that through us. And so, Lord, as we as we look to go out and live this day, as, to go out and celebrate, um, surely there are things from this passage that are reminders, are encouragements, are spurring to go and do. Put ourselves in the dirt and provide the water so that you can, can grow us into somebody that looks more and more like Jesus. To go out there and live a life that looks different than the people around us, but doing that with great love, shining for you, pouring ourselves out so that others can know you and live. So Lord, Holy, we just pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us up, to send us out full today that our joy would overflow for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask all God's people said, Amen.